If you lost a survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how you played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. Welcome to another special edition of Why Blank Lost, as we discuss episode 10 of Survivor Heroes vs. Villains and the double idle play of Parvati that led to JT becoming the merge boot. I'm David Bloomberg, and with me as always in this RHAP off-season journey through time is my co-host Jessica Lewis. Hello again, and thank you, David, for bringing me through this journey with you again. And I have to say I'm very pleased this week because this was a phenomenal Phenomenal rewatch. It really is mind blowing how great this cast was and just how incredible all of the gameplay was. So this was a lot of fun. Just so much fun watching it. Yeah, I feel sort of like a broken record. But once again, I have to say, yeah, it was watching the season was tons of fun. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like we needed to do these podcasts just to have an excuse to go watch these seasons again. Yeah. Because otherwise I don't usually do this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm really enjoying it. I didn't even stop at episode 10. I kept watching and I, I'm not quite done, but I'm going to watch all the way to the end because, yeah, it's just such a great season. Yeah. And I really do appreciate the fact that they're returnees. So they're people that we know previously. We know how their games went. And then to see the games change again and the different dynamics of putting all of those things together was really quite incredible to to see and i there's just so many people that i appreciate i mean i appreciate all of them but god it's a great cast it really it's just such a good cast so i was very 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 much having fun and on top of it being a good cast the producers let them play yes they kept the tribes in their original forms for Mm -hmm. nine episodes yes Mm mm-hmm I just wish they do something like that more often rather than the mix, 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 mix. I agree. I agree. I like, I mean, 25 days, I was sitting there watching that and just kind of wrapping my brain around the fact that while there was no swap and they spent 25 days just with these people. And I thought it was really quite compelling to see how that affected the gameplay as it moved forward, because there really was much more of a divide between the heroes Mm -hmm. versus villains because of it. But I really liked that a lot because I think even the name suggests that there should be a divide. You have heroes versus villains. And I feel like so many of them were really trying to fill whatever title they were given, which was so much fun. And then to see them really connecting and bonding over being a hero versus being a villain and allowing them to stay together so they can actually bond, I thought was incredible. So I do think that production did a really nice job with this season in letting it play out the way that it did and really letting the players enjoy being who they were, which was either a hero or a villain. Yeah. I mean, I suspect the reason they don't do it more often is for the reason you just gave, which was (laughs) it was divided and it stayed Mm -hmm. divided. And it was clear that the vote this episode was going to determine the rest of the season, depending on who got the upper hand. And of course, who got the upper hand? Well, (laughs) <laughs> Villains hey, always oh win. wait let's see if i can do this you ready can you see it if i turn around i uh, it says david you're right 
so yes, so yes, David, you're right. The villains absolutely won out on this season for sure. Spoiler yeah. alert for anyone oh. who hasn't watched it yet. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, I mean, but it is interesting. You talked about the heroes versus villains. I mean, you're in a versus season. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they mix those up quite a bit. Yeah, and and I I I guess in this particular season it was it it really did seem like people were very proud of oh, yeah. whatever tribe they were placed on and not that in my season we weren't proud to be, you know, Gen Xers versus millennials, but I feel like it's different when you are kind of given a title mm-hmm. you know you're kind of given something that you're not designated by age they like were told they david were heroes versus david versus goliath for yes example, yes know. so you know i feel like in those types of seasons people really kind of look at whatever they were designated as and appreciate it and then feel like they have to live up to it and we mm-hmm. do see that in a lot of seasons like this and this one in particular it was based upon their previous game and so it was even of a stronger hold, I think, because they felt like this is how I was seen by the world when I played this game previously. And now I get to represent it again. And it's, and I'm being like appreciated for it. You know, sometimes we watch survivor seasons and whoever is deemed the villain is the one that people aren't supposed to get behind. You know, you're not supposed to be rooting for the villain. And here you really had to because they were, they were an entire tribe. And so it was yep. great to see them being acknowledged for their gameplay and being villainous in their gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, you know, in watching this season and Micronesia, which we just talked about last week, I would say I have regained my appreciation for Parvati's play. Oh, yeah. Because back when we did our preview podcast for Winners at War, including why the winners lost and we talked about her, we talked about some of the mistakes she made. And don't get me wrong. She did make those mistakes. You know, in Micronesia, if it had been a final three, probably would have lost. You know, and there were other mistakes that we discussed there. But rewatching this and Micronesia just really showed how much she controlled. Oh, sure. At least to this point. Um, you know, in this particular uh, episode, she had some serious next level thinking going on. She used her experience with Amanda to figure out that Amanda was lying, although Amanda wasn't doing a very good job of it. But, uh, you know, so that meant to Parvati, OK, if she's lying to me and telling me I am the target, then I'm not the target, which means, mm-hmm. OK, these two are targets. So I can now save mm-hmm. both of those targets. And, you know, it was a great move. And, of course, was the reason this episode was picked for all of us to revisit. Mm-hmm. And I really am impressed with her ability to control so many people in such a what appears to be a non-threatening way. She's just very good at getting people to like her and having people gravitate towards her. But at the same time, people are acknowledging that she's very good at that. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that at play where everyone was very aware of poverty and what she's able to do with individuals that she's playing the game with but at the same time they still let her do it and it was was really incredible to see so many people saying we got to get her out because she's so good at creating relationships and forming bonds and she's going to reconnect with amanda and then what happens it's exactly what happens she reconnects with amanda they let it all happen and i realized they kept trying to get her voted out 
But that's why I think we were both shocked with Winners at War that she lasted as long as she did, because it's another one of those things. People know this about her, but they're willing to let her dig her, you know, toes in and really start forming relationships with people, which then, I mean, this is what happens. She gets little groups of people together and is really controlling so many various factions that are out there. It's incredible to watch. I have so much respect for her and her ability to do that with a smile on her face and be very sweet while she's doing it and talking about eating people's hearts. Like it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Now on the flip side, I was also reminded about how I just don't like Tom in the game. I don't like him at Mm, all. Really? Uh, He he was a dick so many times this season, Mm, like criticizing James for voting according to strategy. You know, like, how dare you do that, James? Um, And I remember, you know, how he was on his first season and how he berated certain people. Um, And I'm not saying it wasn't good gameplay. I just don't like him on in the games he's in. You know, he kept fighting with people. He never really tried to make amends. Yet he was surprised he was voted out. Well, I think Tom is one of those individuals who relied very heavily on who he was and kind of like his strengths in the game. Like he and Colby both were looking at themselves, I think as we're like hardworking, good people. And because we're hardworking, good people, that should get us far in the game. And I do think that there was a place for that early on in survivor that, that hardworking, good person mentality meant something to people on the tribe mm-hmm. but i think the the longer the survivor has lasted and the more seasons that have aired that doesn't necessarily win you points anymore yet people appreciate it if you're like a hard-working individual and you're a good person but they also want to be able to strategize and play the game and play dirty if they need to and so i do think that some of what tom did was rely too heavily just on the fact that he was this individual that had i mean he was I think his first season when he won, he was very well regarded for the win and was very well liked. And I think he walked into the season feeling like that would be the same thing for him. But unfortunately, time had passed and that's not how people are playing Survivor anymore. And you have a group of villains and you have people who are going up against villains. So the mentality is shifting. So unfortunately for Tom, I feel like he was on the outs early on because he came into this game thinking it was going to be very similar to the first game. Yeah. And once he got on the outs, he was kind of a jerk. Well, um, in in my opinion, anyway. So, yeah, well, I mean, he certainly didn't do anything to gain favor. I think right. once he was on the outs, he recognized he was and was hoping that there would be a way for him to maneuver back in, but really wasn't doing a good job at yeah. doing it. Which we, I know we're going to talk about a lot about JT, but I do find it fascinating that JT was so willing to continue to go back and forth mm-hmm. just in his time and still have people relying on him and working with him as opposed to targeting him. So very impressive for him to do that. And people, again, openly talking about it like, oh, it's all up to JT and JT's in the middle and he yeah. keeps switching. But everyone was kind of OK with it, too. So it's it was a strange thing to watch because I do think, again, that that was kind of a new strategy for someone to do, to be flipping back and forth so much. That's not something I think we had seen that much come, you know, 20 seasons in. Yeah, it's hard to remember exactly. But <laughs> I mean, you know, I would say uh, Rob Sesternino was 
probably known for being one of the first people to do that. Mm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was quite a while ago. But, you know, we'll, but like you said, you know, we'll be talking about JT Moore as we go along. And because as we do each week, we judge how the person did it compared to the rules I originally wrote way back after season one mm-hmm. and have been modifying ever since. Now, as our regular listeners know, we gather all the available information to figure this out, including secret scenes from the time, uh, interviews from then, including my own with JT, uh, maybe some thoughts from other reality news online columnists, if they're appropriate um, or particularly <laughs> inappropriate. Um, and, you know, but my rules have, of course, changed since then. And you can check out the most recent version at robhaswebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules. Or you can get the shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form. And I have to t- go. I have to yeah, go yeah. this way. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't have my right. poster. Point today. over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, so that's at tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. Yes, and you should definitely order. They are only $20, and they are 11 by 17. They fit beautifully in a frame. They look wonderful. I have had some people, you know, commenting on Twitter that they were going to be ordering, that we inspired them to order the posters. (laughs) So be inspired and order the poster, because it is definitely a great piece to hang on your wall. Yes, and if you don't want to hang it on your wall, but you want to hang it on your body. Mm -hmm. Whoops, there we go. Maybe. Maybe, you got it. There we go. Uh, uh, turn it the wrong way. Okay. There, it's the t shirt form, of course. Um, just go to robhaswebsite.com or robhaspodcast.com. Click on the merch link near the top, sort the store so the new items are first, and poof, the shirts will be right there. Beautiful. You should definitely buy that too. Get them both. Yes. Yes. Um, now, last week we had an announcement at the end of the podcast, but we know that some of you don't stay all the way till the end. You get to the conclusions and you're like, Okay, we're done. We, we know that we have to subscribe to RHAP. Mm-hmm. We know we have to become a patron. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they don't listen all the way to the end, which, you know, on their part, they're missing out because usually we have the funniest jokes at the very end. Right. And a hashtag. Um, they're going to miss yes. out on that, too. Right. So uh, I, but I wanted to move this announcement to the beginning of the podcast uh, with the Big Brother season approaching. And by approaching, I mean... Uh, it will probably air its premiere episode before this is posted. So mm-hmm. I guess I should not say approaching. I should say with the Big Brother season here, mm-hmm. uh, we will be expanding the Y Blank Loss brand uh, to include the Big Brother All-Star season. Ta-da! Uh, yes. As I mentioned last week, again, if you listened all the way through, um, the uh, sorry, I'm not trying to chide people, uh, <laughs> but uh, um I used to do Y Blank Lost columns for Big Brother back in the day, you know, in addition to Survivor, of course, uh, and American Idol and even The Apprentice. Um, so I just need to update my Big Brother rules and we'll be ready to go. And I will do my damnedest to catch up. Yes. <laughs> but I'm um, excited about the prospect of branching out and looking through fresh eyes at a show that I used to, I will say when it, when big brother first aired, I was very into big brother. And then I got away from it as the years passed, but would revisit every once in a while. I've seen various, you know, episodes here and there because I would catch things on Twitter. I'm like, Oh, it looks interesting. Let's see what's going on. But I will do my best to 
keep up my end of the bargain. <laughs> I have no doubt that you will. So I appreciate that, David. So um, yes, it'll be yeah. it'll be definitely be fun. It will be much different because this is a whole different type of game for sure. But it it will, but it won't. It's it's a different type of game, and we'll discuss this in the first episode that we do. We're, we're probably not going to do a preview show, considering, like I said, by the time you hear or see this podcast, uh, it will have premiered already. Right. Um, and also considering I haven't redone the rules yet. So that makes it more difficult. But mm-hmm. once I do, the rules are based on the survivor. Rules. There is That's a lot good. of similarity um, in the way you win the game, as we have seen with certain players all the way back to Dr. Will, Dan, Derek, and some of the other players as well. They are the most strategic. They, mm-hmm. you know, has it been that way? more recently not necessarily you know right we complain about survivor twists that's nothing compared to big brother right that's true um, that is true so but at the core i think it is very similar and so you know we'll see as we get into that um last week when we announced it we did say we didn't know exactly when we start we'll start up we are going to try to start with the first boot uh yes which means no pressure no No pressure pressure. (laughs) uh depending on when they have the first boot um you know there may be a few weeks where you get a double dose of us Mm, Uh, so mm -hmm. the real question is can we get a double dose of us can we handle putting together a double (laughs) dose of us because remember can you handle a double dose of me bloomberg i can I'm not sure I can handle watching all of these Survivor episodes, plus listening to all the live feeds and, you know. So, yeah, Yeah. that'll, in the words of Bryce, it's a lot. Um, It is, yes. Oh. So. We're going to try. Yeah, we're also planning to probably bring on some guests. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of them will be brand new people. Some of them may be blasts from the past. We don't know. It's going to be lots of different possibilities here. Uh, so we'll just keep a guessing on that. We one. are branching out. Listen, we yes. we introduced video not too long ago. And now look at you. You just want to keep right. moving out. I love this. Yes. <laughs> All these new ideas. It's great. Very exciting. Hey, you got to do something to fill the time, you know, with with no survivor on. So that's true, and that is sad. That is definitely sad. Yeah. I'm I'm disappointed that we are not going to be getting a survivor season. Yes. So yeah. But but hey, we have Big Brother All Stars. We do. We do. Even if not all of them are really All Stars, but hey, that's <laughs> fine. Listen, Survivor is similar in that regard too, right? Sometimes yeah. people get brought back, and you're like, wait, what? Oh yeah, the first All Stars. Why was Amber brought back? What? How is Amber an all star? What did she do? She's 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 not going to do anything in this game. And poof. Mm-hmm. and then look at so, her. Yeah. yeah, you just never know. Right, right. All right. So, um, wow, we're twenty minutes into this almost, and we're I know. still going. We, we haven't because, even talked about JT yet. Right. And before we get to the rules, I do have a few more things I want oh, to discuss. Geez. In addition to what okay. we talked about regarding Parvati and Tom, uh, a theme that excuse me, keeps coming up in our discussions of these past seasons is the physicality of the challenges. Yes. And the very first competitors facing off in the very first challenge this season led to three tackling people 
Three mm-hmm. tackling people. I know. It was amazing to watch. Stephanie getting a dislocated shoulder. Um, you know, medical popping it back in and Jeff just smiling and saying, wow. Like, mm-hmm. you could just see his mind was mm-hmm. like, this is awesome. This is going to be great. Um, and then through the rest of that challenge, we had Sandra pulling off Sugar's bra, mm-hmm. leading to Sugar winning the point and giving us the quadruple blurred topless <laughs> while flipping the double bird. Yep. Um, you know, and then Rupert broke his toe. It yeah. was all within the first half hour of the season. And and all within them immediately being on the island. Like it wasn't yeah. even like they had like, oh, we're all going to come in, gather your stuff, pull things off a boat and go to your respective beaches. It's like, no, immediately. Here's your challenge. We're doing this. Incredible. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. And I, and I do I do feel for the older seasons of survivor because they were so physical and dangerous that you really could be seriously injured. Like we saw so many people be seriously injured this season. Uh, But I still love them. I really, really appreciate the very physical challenges because it really does. It shows you just how hard people are fighting to win. It's so much. So Rupert played with a broken toe. I mean, that's that's amazing. How much do you really need a toe? Oh my gosh. Incredible. Just incredible. So I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Now, another topic is we've talked before about how the concept of new school versus old school is really a a false dichotomy. And we could see it again here. This is 10 years ago. Jerry was talking in the episode six tribal council about how things have changed since she was there saying the game playing began right away and the survival aspects weren't as important. And I know I've said it before, but people really need to stop thinking that strategy is a new idea. Well, okay. But I will say this to her credit. I do feel like there is an old school, new school world when it comes to Survivor. I do think that survival did seem to be a little more significant early on. And I think it was because, honestly, they had to survive. I feel like as the seasons have progressed, CBS has provided more things to the people playing the game. Like reward challenges used to be much more, you know, minimal Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't huge meals and unless there was a sponsorship then that was a whole different thing but you know it's one of those situations where i feel like early on it it was a little bit it was really difficult and i do think that you know in her season in particular it was it was hard they didn't have much of anything and so in her mind you know survival was kind of the top priority in addition to then you're also playing this game where i think now things really have shifted there's always been strategy involved and people have to strategize but I do think that the emphasis on surviving, I think a lot of people now go out and play that game and think, I'm not going to die. Like, I'll be yeah. OK. Like, right. We'll be fine. We'll definitely make it. We won't be, you know, it's called Survivor, but it's we're OK. Like, we're, yeah. we're not we're not going to starve. It'll be all right. And so maybe that's the, the mindset that people now have going into it. Yeah. And I wasn't saying anything bad about Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just saying that even 10 years ago, she was pointing this out. And yet we still have people coming on now yeah you know and talking about new school well new school is the same as it was 10 years ago for sure oh i get it Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm just saying that you know people are acting like oh my gosh strategy people are scheming from the get-go 10 years ago people were scheming from the get-go more than 10 years ago yeah but But, also this is a returning 
season. So you have right. people who know the game. You don't right. you don't need to spend any time figuring out the land when you've already lived there. You know, yeah. and, I, and I do think that that's what we saw as well. Right. Right. Um, now, one thing that was new, however, watching this was seeing them discuss how to split the vote and talking about what a genius move it would be, which, you know, to, to make sure you knock out the idol. Uh, it was pretty amusing in retrospect because, you know, they were calling it genius. We call it business as usual now. Yes, but idols were a new thing. Right. And so it's it's interesting to see people who have never played with an idol before either kind of discounting it as well it's not that important and whoever mm-hmm. has it we're just going to vote out and you just kind of poo poo it and then you have the people like Russell Hans who know the power of an idol and understand mm-hmm. it completely and don't give up on it and dig for three days so they can find it when the rest of his tribe is like eh, whatever and so I, you know that was interesting to watch as well just the the inability of people to realize the power of an idol because they had never been exposed to it before. And Rob was, you know, Boston Rob was talking about how I got to, I got to catch up. I need to figure out what's going on here. And he clearly did not catch up enough. (laughs) So, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate that, that there was this learning curve that so many didn't have yet. And I think this season is an excellent representation of everything idols can do both good and bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And I do think, you know, we, we had talked about in the, why the winners lost preview of winners at, for winners at war. We had talked about Tyson shooting himself in the foot and we mm-hmm. got to watch it as part of this rewatch. Yeah. And as I wa- I rewatched it again, I gained another appreciation for, was it a dumb move? Yes, it was a dumb move. I love Tyson, mm-hmm. but it was a dumb move. And, but I don't think he would make that same mistake now because, right. Back then, splitting the vote was so rare that not everybody fully wrapped their heads around mm-hmm. it, all the yeah. possibilities. Right. And that's where he went wrong. Yes. And then now it is just it's a thing you do. I mean, I remember right. our first vote. I was explaining to Brett why we needed to split the vote just in case, you know, that mm-hmm. like we should throw a couple of votes over here because we have the numbers. And just in case someone does by chance have an idol. And, you know, it, it is something that you just openly now discuss from the get go, because you want to make sure that you are not going to be making a mistake like Tyson did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, one other thing I suspect I'm going to guess here. One thing that you want to talk about. Hmm. I'm going to guess it's James. (laughs) And Uh, before you bring up how he was all oiled up in episode mm, four. He was. And he was so blunt in his opinions. (laughs) I just want to mention how amused I was by him bringing up banana etiquette. Because I loved reliving that whole funny discussion. Listen, the bananas were quite funny. I must say all of the discussion about bananas. And I love what Parvati said at Tribal Council about watching the the green bananas turn yellow won't be nearly as much fun without my, you know, I don't even remember what she said about the, you know, her ladies. I mean, just Mm -hmm. there was a lot of discussion about bananas. So I appreciate the fact that James was concerned about the bananas as well. But I will say this was... This was a different James. Like, I still loved watching him, but I feel like we saw a very frustrated James for a lot of the time he played because they were losing and he doesn't like to lose. And he made mm-hmm. that very, very clear. I appreciate his bluntness 
for sure. But I loved that Courtney was trying to call him out on the fact that he was on the wrong tribe and that yeah. he should have been on the villain's tribe because he was being so aggressive and being very blunt. But yes, I, I must say the oiling up challenge, it, w- it was a great look for all of them. I mean, it would really <laughs> like, wow, I I would have loved to have an opportunity to look that good in any of my challenges and never have. Yeah, but you, <laughs> so. you don't have all of them as the background on your phone. You only have one of them. <laughs> I on do not. I, <laughs> oh, might, okay. I might have looked up the picture when you oh, mentioned it to me in a yes, text yes. message, but, uh-huh, but uh-huh. you have to appreciate someone like James all oiled up. How can you not? Takes care of himself. Um, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I did. I, I, thought he was the voice of reason when he was there. He kept yelling at them because, and this was another thing Tom kept doing was Tom kept screwing up the challenges. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they put someone in charge of the puzzle and then Tom would be yelling over them and stuff. Yeah. And that's what frustrated James, you know, oh, yeah. one voice, one voice. And he kept yeah. yelling. He was right. He was you right. Know, he was uh, he was right. I just feel like, I mean, that's the thing about James is James is very blunt and he will tell you exactly what he thinks and he's not going to hold back. He's not going to worry about your feelings. And when you mm-hmm. say to him, uh, James, I'm right here. He's like, yeah, I know. And that's why I'm saying it because you're right, right here. So he's certainly not afraid to tell you exactly what he thinks. But I, I did feel like he was getting a little more of a bad rap because the hero tribe, some of the individuals didn't appreciate the bluntness and yeah. took it in a different direction like he was being mean yeah Yeah, but he was right one voice made a lot more sense for sure right now i do have one more thing to mention i know my god we're 28 minutes in i know one more thing um it pertains actually more to a season we've seen much more recently remember in season 39 everybody was analyzing why the producer showed rob saying i was born at night but not last night when Sandra wanted to bet him that a woman would win. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we're all like, why, why would they show that if a woman doesn't win? And then it turns out a woman didn't win. And it's like, you are so stupid producers. Why would you mm-hmm. put that in there and mislead us? And then again, have a man win. I figured it out finally. Because in episode seven of this season, mm-hmm. he says the same thing. He does. Yes, he does. And I now believe the producers were not even paying attention to what Sandra said, not paying attention to her saying something about, you know, making a bet about a woman winning. What Mm -hmm. they saw was this is a classic Boston Rob quote. Mm -hmm. And he said it again. Let's put it in. Yes. Oh, for sure. And I have to say, there are so many things about Boston Rob that he in his confessionals you then like i'm watching it and i'm like oh yeah because i have his book that he wrote mm-hmm. and it's you know the rules of how to like win survivor yeah, basically <laughs> oh wait a second so i'm not allowed to have it because you have it i'm copying you no 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 he's a copycat because he came oh. out with rules i see i was like well, for a much longer time uh, yeah, but he's selling his for, you know, lots. Of, you are, too, though, I guess, on the poster. So there's yeah, that. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I there are times that he says things in his confessionals. So I'm like, yep, that's one of his rules in the book. Mm-hmm. So it is it is fun to watch and see that. But yeah, see, yeah. there you so figured it out. I'm just That's right. It only took us, you know, a year. But, you know, a mystery solved. Mystery solved. We got All there. Right. Now we're a half hour in. It's time to move <laughs> on to JT. <laughs> 
Um, I, I will say I was surprised at how active he was through the season so far. Yes. I, I just didn't remember it. What mm-hmm. I did remember and what lots of people remember was the stupidity of giving away his idol to Russell. Mm. How did he screw up so monumentally? Was that the ultimate cause of his demise in the season or was there more? Wasn't it really a screw up? Was it really a screw up? (laughs) Yes, it was really a screw up. Um, This kind of situation is perfect for going through all the real rules, not the Boston Rob rules Mm -hmm. like we do, because we may need to move past the obvious, excuse me, to answer our questions. After all, even with the stupid move, that didn't make the villains target him in particular. So Mm -hmm. we have to take a deeper look as we figure out why JT lost. And to do it, we're going to switch the rules up a little bit because I mentioned earlier, way earlier at this point, uh, that my rules have changed since the heroes versus villain season. And one of those changes since that time is that rule seven in this current format did not exist yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But since it does now and it, deals with idols it seems pretty obvious that we need to discuss it first um let's start with what russell said as he voted for jt it was a real dumb move giving me your idol (laughs) yes it was um now i'm i I was debating whether i was going to try to do an impression of a russell voice and i decided no it's not going to happen yeah Uh, now i'm going to do something now that i normally don't uh, even though you you uh, you would call it cheating, um, okay. I'm going to quote a big chunk from my original YJT Lost column. Uh, although there was no rule about idols, this is a paragraph that had been in a different rule, and it applies here. I don't think I, I tried writing something better than this, you know, in my notes, and I don't think I can improve upon it. So, mm. so here we go. Okay. There were so many things wrong with the concept of giving the idol to Russell that I hardly know where to begin. First were all the assumptions he made about where Russell stood in the villains tribe, figuring that there was a women's alliance and he would be the next one booted. And of course, it was the key point that JT missed. Russell was on the villains tribe. Mm. He didn't know Russell. None of the others had seen him play, but he should have gotten some sort of clue about him by the fact that he wasn't on the heroes tribe. This was not a man who could be trusted. This was not a man to whom you hand over the key to the survival of your whole freaking tribe. And yet that's exactly what JT did. Mm. I don't disagree. However, there are a few things there. I know that we need to spend some time with. So the idea of an all woman's alliance wasn't necessarily too far fetched when you are looking at the order of the votes. And I think there was, um, four men that were voted Mm -hmm. out like in a row. And then on top of it, you have Parvati who did what in her previous season led four women to the end. They're in the poster. You know, the, the, uh, the witches coven is that (laughs) the witches brigade. I don't remember. I don't remember what it's called, but yes, the widow, the black widows, the black Black widows. Yes. So she led that. And so when you're, looking at who they're playing with and trying to make determinations about gameplay, it doesn't necessarily seem far-fetched that there is an all-woman's alliance considering what they're seeing and what they know of past players. However, that being said, I do completely agree that the fact that he's on the villain's tribe speaks volumes. Yeah, Uh, And from what I read, 
I believe they were advised because they hadn't seen him play that he was probably considered to be one of the top five villains, according to the producers. And that's what people were told who mm-hmm. were playing with him. So that should have been ringing some bells right there. So the fact that he missed that is huge. And so I do think that there is a problem with, yes, those assumptions, even though it makes sense that they existed, that by looking at things and knowing the people that played and putting that together. But the fact that JT was so certain that he was right without considering perhaps he wasn't. And he even said it in one of his confessionals that, oh, yeah. Russell could be leading the women, but that's not true. I'm sure of it. Like, how are you sure of it? Because you don't know what's happening on the other camp. Yeah. And we'll, I'll, it's interesting because his decision spans so many different rules and so many Mm. things he did Mm -hmm. wrong. So I have some of that scattered as we go. Right. Um, But when I interviewed JT at the time, I asked him flat out, what the heck were you thinking? Hmm. I just asked him that. And he replied that he felt like he was being targeted by some in his own tribe. Uh, Candace and Amanda had seen him with the idol after the whole tribe had agreed at his urging to look for the second hidden immunity idol as a tribe. Um, Of course, then he went looking on his own to to make sure he knew where it was. Mm. Uh, He was going to keep it to himself, but Amanda and then Candace busted him. So with that in mind, knowing that he didn't want to be with Parvati, work with Parvati, and believing that he had to make big moves to get far, he went for it. He was convinced that he knew exactly what was going on, you know, like like you said, and he wrote his little note saying that just by playing against him and through a few handshakes, he knew he could trust Russell. And by the way, third week in a row, third week in a row, where we have handshakes being important again. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they were manly handshakes or sincere handshakes or all those different types of handshakes we've been had described to us. But, you know, JT later said that they made survivor history. Yes, they did. They did. They made one of the worst moves in survivor history. But think about it. If it had worked, if he was right, if all of those assumptions turned out to be true. Wow. It would have been incredible. It would have, but my God, that's like, I'm going to throw this ball up in the air and I'm going to assume it's going to the moon. You know? right. I'm not saying that yeah. it was a great plan, but if it had worked, it would have been mind blowing. However, it, we got it was to still mind blowing. Yes, it was. And this is one of those moments, too, that brings me back to Winners at War. Or no, it wasn't Winners at War. It was season 39 when mm-hmm. Boston Rob gave one of the uh, survivors like a pen to like write something oh, yes. on. And he was like, when have you ever seen a pen on Survivor? Yeah. And I think all of us flashed back to this yeah. moment. Well, here's we were a like, notebook Wait, where they wrote was, a, yeah. <laughs> He wrote basically like a, a love letter to Russell. Yeah. <laughs> he should have had a little box at the bottom, like check yes or no. <laughs> like, yeah. Will you date me? You know, will you will you date my alliance? You know. Oh my gosh. It was yeah. I love the, you know, destroy immediately upon reading. Yes. It was like it should have said it this note will self-destruct. Yeah, exactly. Me. I was just gonna say the same thing. But Oh yeah, my I, goodness. Yeah. Now for his part, I did ask JT when he realized it was the dumbest move ever. <laughs> And he said he didn't think it was, but he also laughed and said he didn't think anyone else would agree with his own assessment. Mm, yeah. Um, but, you know, as Russell said, 
you don't hand the enemy the idol, especially when his name is Russell Hans. And Parvati said, why would you hand a villain your heart? Russell is just going to stab it a million times. And then she said to Russell, what is wrong with him? I cannot believe that kid won. Now, remember, in the season he won, he had Steven with him. And when I asked JT if Steven would have stopped him from making this stupid move, he said, yes, absolutely. Yes. And you know what? I think this might be the butterfly effect. You ready? Because the only time I have correctly predicted a winner before the season began was the season JT won. I ah. from the episode one, we all were like, all right, who's our winner pick? And I said, mm-hmm. JT, like as soon as it started, I'm like, JT, I didn't know anything about him. Pick JT. And then he won. And then this is what happened. So see, I, I think my, I think my picking him it is a winner pick. Around. I just, I set him on a course of really, really bad survivor moves that you will forever yes. be remembered by. Oh, poor JT. But yeah, yeah that was, that was rough to watch for sure. But it was yeah. also so much fun. Right. It really right. was so much fun because I do think a lot of things were also aligned for Russell and that nobody had seen him play. And so that really worked to his credit because he could make puppy dog eyes at JT and look like he's begging for help and do his little please when they would see each other. And and he'd get the you know, hang in there, buddy, from JT every time they'd see each other. So he could really play that up because nobody knew who he was. And also, nobody had such familiarity with idols like he did at that point either. And so I think all of it was kind of like stars aligned for Russell because JT didn't understand all of the the nuances of the idol because it was so new. Clearly, Russell did. Right, right. Now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back. We're back, so let's get back to the show. Okay, um, now we can move back to the first rule, which says to scheme and plot. And JT certainly knew this. Uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I hadn't remembered how active he was in strategizing and flipping around this season, and this was a perfect example of why we have been watching and we need to watch every episode leading up to the one we're specifically looking at each week. And I, we knew that going into this, but (laughs) I don't think we quite fully knew that because there was stuff happening. Pardon? I blame you. (laughs) Oh yes, totally. Um, I mean, I mostly remembered JT's particularly dumb moves here and in game changers. So he impressed me a bit with his scheming throughout here. Uh, you know, indeed, he said several times on the show that he came in planning to play the game by making more and bigger strategic moves. So, you know, earlier I mentioned the whole new school, old school isn't really a thing. I guess the big moves era started earlier than we thought also. Mm-hmm, and yeah. early on in the season, he got away with those moves. Yeah. And I do think that it was impressive to see, which I've already referenced, his ability to switch back and forth. So seamlessly. I mean, nobody Mm -hmm. really was angry with him. And he made some really incredible moves when he voted out, when he flipped and ended up voting out Suri and then managed to come back and make it all okay. Like make everyone understand why it was a good move for everyone. So he really did have a great ability to strategize and then explain what he was doing. And listen, we got to go back to the idol for a second. The fact that he was able to convince his tribe 
that strategically, this was a great move for all of them. So much so that Colby was helping him at the challenge to make sure that Russell would hook up with JT at the end of the challenge because Russell was going to get something from JT. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it was incredible to see it all happening and that JT was the center of it, but was so convincing to all of them that this is what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, JT, he made on day two, he made an alliance with James. Uh, then he made the line, you know, Tom approached him and he made an alliance with him. And then the next day he flipped on Tom and made mm-hmm. an alliance against him. And, um, you know, JT told us he knows everyone expects him to stick to his word and be honest because that's how he was the first time. But he can't do that since everyone saw it. He he had to let his dark side come out. He correctly said, you have to be willing to sacrifice some of your integrity to make it far in this game. And he also said, I'm going to do what I have to do to win this game. It's going to be a whole different ball game for me. He really did. I mean, he completely right. changed what he was doing this time around, but was still able to do it with that good old boy kind of approach where people listened to him and still were okay with it, even though it was completely in opposite of what they wanted to do. And then all of a sudden they were like, well, okay, no, that makes sense. And because JT explained it to us. So it it was, it was crazy to watch someone like JT pulling off such strategic moves, knowing what we had seen previously of him. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think that he was the one who could be, crowned the most strategic player in his season he won, although he was very well liked in the season he won. And this time, I think he was able to kind of wrap those two things together, be strategic and still be well liked and manage to get his tribe to go along with basically everything that he wanted to do, regardless of how bad it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now, I do want to mention, you know, uh, just like we were talking about, um, you know, strategizing early, not being a new thing. Uh, while JT was doing all of this, Jeff Probst was a bit behind because in episode four, he was questioning the heroes at their third tribal council, asking if it was too early to vote based on alliances. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to yell through the TV set. No, Jeff, it's not. You're too late to even ask that dumb a question. It's already episode four. Yeah. And I, I think it was interesting that Jeff was spending so much time like making people feel bad for doing that like right. that it shouldn't be based on alliances that it should be based on strength and winning challenges because you don't want to come back here but that is kind of the name of that's the game now you know right. like that's survivor you have alliances and, and you usually vote along those lines and it's not so much about winning challenges even though you have to but he it was interesting that he spent so much time really ragging on them for mm-hmm. voting with their alliance as opposed to voting out the weaker people who are going to help them, you know, win challenges as opposed to, you know, those who are going to cause them to lose challenges. Right. Right. And then the merge came and JT did all the dumb things we already discussed in the seventh rule. And this is where his strategy went completely awry. Russell told his bogus story and just like that, JT said he trusted him completely. Mm -hmm. Sandra tried to turn the tables on Russell by telling Rupert everything, but JT refused to believe it. Mm -hmm. He said it must have gone down the way Russell said. No question asked. You know, and we discussed some of that already, but Rupert. Think about this. Rupert (laughs) was the most strategically smart one of the bunch. Yeah, he was. 
he was the only one pointing out Russell was on the villain side for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at least they finally agreed to test Russell by telling him one thing about how they were voting and then changing it at the last minute. But in the meantime, JT made fun of Rupert saying, there's a reason I've been doing Rupert's strategical play thus far, because he needs to be told where to vote. Do you believe what Sandra told you or do you believe the obvious truth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And then he says, if Sandra's story turns out to be true and Russell did not play the idol, then that means I'm probably going home next tribal council. Yeah, that's exactly what it meant, JT. <laughs> um, and in my original reality online. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my original recap that I did for this episode, I said, can you imagine just how stupid JT feels right now sitting at home and watching this? Yeah, it's got to be rough. I mean, it's I. Again, got to give him props for trying to pull off a big move. That's a huge move. Uh, but in what this, do we say about big moves? Though, I usually? know, I know yeah. they don't. They don't always turn out the way that you hope. Uh, yeah, trust me, they don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes the end result of that big move gets you walking out the door. So yes. JT and I have that in common for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, the second rule says not to scheme and plot too much and to keep your scheming secret. There were several times earlier in the game when JT did things that could be considered scheming and plotting too much. But each time, he managed to get away with it. Mm-hmm. And we've discussed this a bit already. For example, after voting out Sri, he turned around and swore to Amanda that he'd never turn on them and did everything for the good of the tribe. Mm-hmm. Amanda didn't believe him and said he'd made like 20 alliances already. Prior to that, Colby said JT flip-flops at every opportunity and he also said he's clearly just playing the hand that suits him today. Candace similarly said in episode eight, JT's the slimiest guy out here. He's running the tribe. He's got a best friend interest from everybody. Every vote, he's been the one going back and forth, and everybody's coming to him trying to figure out which way JT is going to go. Everything they said was true, but in every case, JT eventually earned back their trust yeah. at least long enough to proceed once again. You know, so that means this early scheming was not a factor in the reason that he got voted out when he did. For sure. And it's very impressive that he was able to do what he did and that he was able to win them back after each of these moments where they were realizing all of the things that JT is doing and that not once was he targeted for it. They didn't decide, well, why don't we just vote out JT since JT is the one that Mm -hmm. keeps flipping back and forth and, and changing things up. And not telling us and doing things against what we wanted to do. Not once did anyone say, well, why don't we vote out JT? It didn't happen. Yeah. So clearly he was very good at what he was doing. And it certainly wasn't negatively affecting his game. Right. But then we got to the idol. Uh, because <laughs> part of the whole concept, I, I said it'll be you know peppered in the rules here. Mm-hmm. Part of the whole concept of giving it to Russell was scheming and plotting too much. It was funny because we got to hear Russell say, this is what my plan is. His plan was to tell JT that he played the idol and Parvati also played an idol. But before he could even tell JT his, what he, his whole story was, JT told us that he figured Russell must have played the idol and Parvati did too. Yes, and, I know. There was that immediate like, oh, I saw Russell's little legs and I was like, okay, right. well then there must have been two idols that were played. Right. And then he, he closed it up with, it's a known fact. Yeah, no, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's really not. You know, even before that, he leaped to the conclusion that the only way Boston Rob could have been voted out was if there was an all women's alliance 
because apparently if men were in charge, they would want a strong tribe. You know, he might as well have just added a, you know, some grunts in there too. Like men want strong tribe. You know, because that's, that was part of his thinking for, you know, while the women are in charge, so they're voting out the men. Well, and I do think that it, this kind of goes back to that mentality that we were talking about that I think Tom has a lot of, too, where it's this mm-hmm. idea that things on Survivor are supposed to make sense. And I think that they they don't usually make sense, but sometimes people play with that That's why idea. That's we have to make sense of them. That's the whole I point know of this podcast. That, exactly. But, <laughs> you know, if, if someone like JT is going to be looking at a tribe and going, well, then this this has to be being run by women because they wouldn't be voting out the strong men. Well, we just spent time talking about how Jeff Probst was ragging on them for voting out people who mm-hmm. were stronger because they weren't in their alliance as opposed to trying to win a challenge. So we know that that's, those are not the rules of Survivor. That is not how people play this game. They play this game with the people they want to play the game with and it's strategic and there's alliances and sometimes it doesn't always make sense as far as voting is concerned. That's a frog. If you hear that noise, I yes, have a I was frog. Say, I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate the authenticity that you are bringing to the I podcast. I really am. I am bringing so much authenticity. She, so see, Jessica has moved to the jungle in order to, uh, you know. I want to feel so, like I'm back on the island. Yeah, so enjoy so hopefully the frog. People can actually hear it, or else they're wondering what the heck. I know they're about. like, what? But yes, there's definitely yeah. a frog hanging out next to me. So. I just do feel like that that's part of JT's problem is that he was looking at this game as if it was real life and it wasn't. I mean, this is a game and unfortunately he was letting that get in the way of his thinking and he made a really, really bad choice utilizing that same type of idea. Yeah. You know, we we mentioned it earlier. JT believed he had a reason to do what he did based on not just the whole women's alliance thing, but his worries about holding on to the idol after he'd been busted, finding it. Mm. He told me that getting rid of it was his first idea before he moved on to the idea of giving it to Russell. Without a doubt, he should have gone with his first choice on this one. Mm -hmm. Well, and I do think that it would have been beneficial to those five, obviously, to walk into a merge with an idol. Because then you have a lot more power as to how you're going to utilize it. You know exactly where it is. You're able to see. I mean, at that point, they would have known the structure. If it really Mm -hmm. was an all-women's alliance, Russell would have been gone. And so they would have known that. But I, I do feel like they ended up really putting all of their eggs in one basket instead of walking into that merge with options. Yeah, in a in a basket with a big hole in it. Mm. Now, another thing that makes this scheming and plotting too much is that JT told me, again, you have to make big moves to get far, I I think. And that was one that just didn't turn out. And again, he's right about making some big moves. But to say this one, quote, just didn't turn out, seriously understates the situation. This was just massively over scheming and putting himself and his whole tribe in a situation where they had no business being. But. Again, his whole tribe was behind him doing it. I know. Which is fascinating. So as much as we want to blame JT, he came up with this convoluted idea, but then he got full support from everyone in his tribe. They they were loving the letter that he wrote. They were like, we're going to make Survivor history. You know, we already talked about Colby they, talking to Russell yeah. at the challenge. So everyone was behind this. Not one of them said, 
mm, you know what? Maybe this is not the best idea. Yeah. I mean, Amanda did say something about it, but then she still seemed on board. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't it, understand it, but I still blame JT. It's um, crazy. Yeah. All right. We can go to the third rule, which talks about being flexible. And I think JT did a good job here because mm. we already discussed. He kept his options open with the two heroes alliances early in the season, you know, jumping back and forth. And plus, whatever else we've already said about his idle maneuver, it was certainly flexible. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I do think that he knocked it out of the park as far as this rule is concerned, yeah. <laughs> because he really was willing to take every potential path and go down every avenue and, and kind of determine, is this better for me now? I mean, what Colby said about him, I think, is is correct, that he flip flops, you know, whatever basically mm-hmm. is, is the best place for him at that moment. And I think he did a lot of that. So, yes, right. he was definitely right. very flexible. Yeah. Uh, the fourth rule tells players not to let their emotions control them. I think there are two issues to discuss here with JT. First, we can say he didn't follow his emotions to, when it came to voting. He went the way he thought would be the most advantageous to him, whether it was voting with Tom and company one time or against them the next Mm. or voting out James when it was clear that he was too hobbled to help the tribe. He even said in the fourth episode, you listen to your heart, you get hurt out here. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. But he did play emotionally when he was so certain he knew what was going on at the villains tribe. Mm. The idea that JT had a read on Russell a guy he'd never met, a guy he'd never seen play, and that he could work with him wasn't just stupid. It was emotional because it, it seems to me like he feared a woman's alliance, as so many men before and after him have, mm-hmm. uh, without just cause in most cases. So that caused him to make up a story in his own mind about the plight of the poor men on the villains tribe. And mm. I mean, they did keep getting voted out, but to just assume that, you know, did he check to make sure it wasn't a, you know, brown hair alliance or a, you know, uh, um, birthdays in the summer alliance or mm. I mean, there were there were so many things, it, you know, plus this emotional idea of, well, I played against him and I shared a couple of handshakes, so he must be good. That's not logic. That's all emotion. Well, and I do think that there's another component to this as well. And that's one of the phrases that he used to describe Russell as a good old country boy. And so Uh, I think that he was looking at Russell in a very similar light that he looks at himself Mm -hmm. as I'm this just good old country boy. And if I know how I am and he's clearly, you know, from the country as well, based upon what I've heard when he speaks. So. He's got to be a good old country boy. So I, I, that I do think is an emotional thing too, because he's yeah. making determinations about someone he's never met before just because of the manner in which they speak and then associating that back to himself and thinking, well, that must be the way that he is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The fifth rule talks about the social game and reminds players they need to pretend to be nice. Do you think JT is a nice guy? yes i do that's why he was a hero for god's sakes i mean he was so well liked in his first season and even though we've talked about it already he managed to continue to be well liked even though he was moving back and forth and flipping and going against his alliance and then going against a different alliance he still found himself in a powerful position where people were listening to him and i think that really boils down to his ability to 
create relationships and friendships with people that they felt were genuine, even though he was strategically outplaying them in a way because he was moving around so much. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say his main mode of operation in his winning season was being the nice guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he still did his best to play that role this time, though, of course, you know, his flipping, as we heard earlier, didn't endear him to certain people, but no votes were cast against him for any personality reason. He was a good old country boy. Right. There you go. <laughs> we all know we can trust them. Right. Uh, sixth rule warns against being too much of a threat. And while earlier we discussed how he got himself into this situation, this is where we get to the issue of why he in particular was targeted. Mm. As I said in my original column, JT was undoubtedly the biggest threat of the heroes. He had shown that he was the best when it came to most challenges and he was the apparent leader of their crew. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're going to take out a hero, it makes the most sense to take out JT. For sure. I mean, he was clearly the top when it came to their challenges. I mean, he and it was interesting watching Jeff Probst remind everybody who had performed in what challenges previously and then reminding them that how well people did in the Mm -hmm. challenges. And JT was one of those people we heard a lot about. So I do think that he was someone that was physically a threat when it came to individual immunity challenges. And then also, yeah, he's in charge. He's, he's clearly been able to get a group of people behind him. And the fact that, and I'm going to say it again, he convinced everybody to do this idol play really spoke volumes to the villains about the control he had over those people. Right, right. Now, Appendix A is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting and says to vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. For the third time in our look back, uh, we're at the merge. It's a very long Mm -hmm. merge. Uh, And very (laughs) often in those days, uh, the typical merge boot was exactly who we still think of, a strong competitor who will be a threat moving forward. Uh, Putting aside the poetic justice of voting JT off with his own idol, we just finished talking about uh, why JT was the biggest threat, the strongest threat on the Heroes Tribe. So the villains absolutely made the right decision in targeting him. They did. And then it was also kind of funny at the same time. Yes, it was. It was that combination there. (laughs) So. All right. With all of that said, it's about time to wrap things up. So what are your final thoughts? Boy, we powered through, didn't we? Like, I thought it was going to be much longer. Yeah. Well, I do think JT is a good old country boy, despite the fact that he tried to play a little more strategically this time than he did the first time. He still represented himself as someone that people could clearly get behind. People could trust and rely upon, regardless of the fact that he was flipping back and forth and really strategizing to a level that I don't think anyone else on his tribe really was so much so. And we've discussed it so many times. He got them all to agree to give away an immunity idol. So, you know, that's, I think speaks volumes about his ability to play this game and play well, regardless of how bad of a decision that really was, because he had the backing of an entire tribe. So even though he was a good old country boy and thought Russell was the same, unfortunately he got out Outwit, outplayed by Russell Hans. I mean, really, yeah. Russell Hans was out everything. Out everything. I mean, Russell was clearly playing this up big time and understood that JT saw him as someone that um, they could use. And so Russell 
used JT instead and really did right. an incredible job of making JT feel comfortable and making JT fall into this narrative that JT had already created in his head. We've never seen the likes of a letter in Survivor like this before, so it was great to see something like that happen. However, to JT's detriment, it really was bringing about his demise. So unfortunately for JT, I really do think he just out-strategized himself. He was in a great position. He had people behind him on the Heroes Tribe, even though he was the most threatening hero and probably the one that would have been early, you know, targeted early on. He really did overdo the big moves, overpowered his ability to think clearly and his desire to make that big move really caused him to find himself walking out the door by the means of his own idol that he decided to hand over to Russell Hance, who he thought was a good old country boy. <laughs> so hang in there, buddy, is what I could say to JT, because he kept saying that to Russell Hance. Unfortunately, yes. he was hanging out at Ponderosa. Yeah. Yeah. In, in his final words, JT said, I feel like a total idiot right now. <laughs> it's pretty terrible to be voted out with your own idol. And he was right to feel that way because it was one of the dumbest moves in Survivor history. But up until that point, he was actually doing a fairly good job. The problem started when he decided to hunt for the idol on his own, despite telling everyone else they should do it as a tribe. When he was busted, he felt like he had drawn a target on himself and he needed to do something about it. Pretty much any other option besides the one he chose would have been better. He could have given it to Amanda. He could have thrown it in the ocean. He could have burned it in the fire. Instead, he gave it to the devil he didn't know. JT convinced himself that a very specific scenario was happening on the villain's tribe. He became so emotionally invested in this idea that he started citing it as fact, even though he had no way to know what was actually going on. He refused to allow any logic to get in his way. After all, He'd shaken Russell's hands a few times, so that meant he could tell Russell was a good guy. To heck with the fact that he was a total unknown from the prior season who was put on the villain's tribe. So he gave away the idol. Then he planned to work with Russell at the merge. This time, they had contradictory information coming from Sandra, but that would not dissuade JT from his chosen path. As mentioned earlier, JT said, if Sandra's story turns out to be true and Russell did not play the idol, then that means I'm probably going home in the next tribal council. Indeed. While he says by the time tribal council came around, they pretty much knew Russell wasn't with them. By that point, it was too late. The villains had made their moves ahead of time and Parvati came fully loaded. They knew that JT was the biggest threat of the heroes and pretty much their de facto leader. So he not only gave them the weapon to use against his tribe, but he also put himself out in front so that weapon would be squarely used against him. And that is why JT lost. Sorry, JT. Yeah. God, it was so much fun to watch, though. It was. It was. <laughs> it was very, very entertaining. Yes. There were just so many incredible scenes where just, I mean, reading that letter was so much oh, yeah. fun. Parvati doing the dramatic letter reading. <laughs> it was great. It was great. BFF forever. Yes. <laughs> Definitely fun. Yeah. Lots of uh, great moments there. Yes. All right. Well, before we look ahead to the next episode, we'll be discussing. 
Let me remind everyone that the rules we just discussed are now available in both poster and t-shirt form. Mm-hmm. T-shirt form. Yes. Uh, for the shirt, go to robhaswebsite.com or robhaspodcast.com. Click on the merch link, sort to see newer items first. For the poster, go to tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster 2. Yes, and if you do wish to order the poster and you are outside of the United States, you can certainly contact me right here at Jessica Lewis 89. I know I did it. Isn't that fancy? And uh, you can DM me and I will make arrangements to get that to you wherever you are located. Postage will be a little bit more expensive, but we will discuss, work out details before I send it off to you. So again, at Jessica Lewis 89, and we will make that happen. All right. Now, next episode. Well, (laughs) we talked a bit about Sandra and Rupert in this podcast. And next week, we'll be doing it a lot more. Because we'll be looking at episode 11 of Pearl Islands. Uh, Mm. We'll especially get to see a lot more of Johnny Fairplay because this is the dead grandma lie episode. Which is Um, in our rule. It's yeah. (laughs) Well, he's up there. He is. I can't do it. (laughs) There you go. You got it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you this. I had. A lot of thoughts about that when it happened, and they were not good thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will see if I've changed my opinion. Uh, right. However, we have eleven episodes to watch before you know. No, I'm gonna die. I have so many. This Big Brother, my job. Listen, yes. I can't keep job, up. No, you got to prioritize. No job. Forget the job. I apparently I have to. I yes. this is this is insanity. Listen, yes. and we signed I, up for it. We did sign up for it, and I am very appreciative that that we are doing this and we are giving our listeners all of this content during this crazy time that we are all living through. So thank you for listening, because it really is a lot of work. I love it. I do. And I know David does as well. Mm -hmm. So it will just continue. We'll continue trudging through and we'll make it happen. Yeah. Now, as we wrap up, I want to encourage people to check out the RJP patron program at robhaswebsite.com slash patron. Once you join, you'll see all the stuff that Rob does. You know, I said last month he did a seven hour patron cast. This month it was only, quote unquote, only six plus hours. I know. Oh, Lord. That man is Uh, dedicated. I can't complain. But all of this is his job. So I guess they can't complain. (laughs) Um, So, you know, he just does a ton of different things. Um, so yeah, there's all of that. There's the Facebook groups where you can go to discuss uh, this community about Survivor, Big Brother now, mm-hmm. uh, just life in general. Uh, so remember, go to robhasawebsite.com slash patron. And once you get to the Facebook groups where we both are, make sure to say hello. You definitely should. And I should probably hang out there a little bit more now that we're doing Big Brother, because perhaps I can get some insight from people that are much more familiar with all of the all stars and the nuances of Big Brother. So if if not insight, you'll certainly get some healthy debate. But this is good. Healthy debate is good when we are doing a podcast like this, because it allows us to think outside the box a little bit and think about different angles. So that'll be good. Yes. Yes. Um. You can also follow us on Twitter. I was getting there. Give yeah, me a no, second. No, no, no. I got lost. <laughs> I was like, so wait, what's I this? am at, ooh, there we go, at Jessica Lewis 89 and he is at David Bloomberg. 
So you should definitely follow us both on Twitter. You get both sides of the story. And who knows, if now that we're doing the Big Brother podcast, perhaps we'll be live tweeting during Big Brother as well. So you can look out for that. And there's a lot of fun things that we post throughout the week in addition to Survivor-related and Big Brother-related content. So please, I am at JessicaLewis89 right there. He is at David Bloomberg. It's very difficult. I don't think yes. they understand. It's backwards for us. It's right. just yeah. crazy. <laughs> All right. We need a hashtag. I did not have one. Uh, I have a great one. Okay. Well, there's two. There, there's one thing that I really loved about JT. Every okay. time he would see Russell when he had this narrative mm-hmm. built up in his brain. Yeah. He would tell him, hang in there, buddy. <laughs> like, there was just There was just something about yes. that that I was like. That should be our hashtag. There you go. Our hashtag is hang in there, buddy. (laughs) And of course, he really did hang in there. He hung. All right. (laughs) Uh, Of course, the hashtag this podcast overall is YX lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to all the RHAP survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or on your favorite podcatcher. We, of course, are also on the reality TV wrap ups feed. Uh, and we'll continue to be on the rehab ups feed for the Big Brother stuff, too. So, yes. you know, subscribe to that. Subscribe. Just subscribe to everything Rob does. Everything. Uh, and, uh, yeah, of course, joining us in this, uh, you know, uh, journey through time has been the Wiggle Room and the B&B. So, of course, make sure you're listening to them as well. You absolutely should. And we would love to say thank you to Scott St. Pierre, who does all of the editing for us here on Why Blank Lost, both the audio and video version. So thank you, Scott, for all of the great work you do. Also, thank you to Will from America, who does or he actually created the song that you hear at the beginning of the audio version of this podcast. So you should go there, listen to that. Then you can come here and check us out and you can see us doing all the crazy things that we do. So thank you, Will, for the incredible theme song that you have created for us. And thank you, David, for giving me more work to do this week <laughs> yeah well thank you for doing thank you for doing that more work um, yeah and and thank you for another great week uh it's it's been a busy one for both of us if only it people has. knew uh yep. but uh yes but, if only uh, people knew what was happening behind yes. the scenes yes uh so anyway uh we will see everyone next week for another blast from the past bye bye Jessica will turn it around They'll break down the rules And they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost